0: Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. God is good? Come on now, come on, let's say it like we believe it. God is good? Let's declare that and all the time. Oh man, it's, uh, it is so good to just be gathered and to, to worship together It is it is such a blessing that we're kind of coming out again and and I, and I know not everybody is ready yet and and some people are a little more ready than others and so let's just kind of join together in that readiness as soon as you're ready as soon as you're able come on back get in here with us we've got a spot for you there's space where you can sit a little further apart if you want to and there's space where you can sit closer together if you need to or want to um, but it is it is so good and I hope that you hope that you share in that level and those who are here in the house today I hope you sense that same thing just that spirit of like man being around the people of God as we worship together is a really really sweet thing well we're in week three of our four week series as we talk about uh, rest the God of restoration and so if you have, if you haven't been with us, then you want to go back and check them out online so you can catch up with us. And if you have been with us, then you know where we're at. Um, we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 8. And so if you have a Bible, you're going to want to go ahead and turn there to Luke chapter 8. We're going to flip a couple of times to some other places as well. So go ahead and make sure you have your Bible out and have it ready. Um, this past weekend, Michelle and I, we got to go away to celebrate the First Lady's birthday. Happy birthday, Michelle. It was an amazing time, but we got to visit one of our favorite churches that we get to go to each year when we go down to Ocean City, New Jersey. And I was moved um, with the way in which their pastor um, kind of I- encouraged everybody to, to find an old-fashioned paper form Bible. You know, like the ones that, that don't have, like, that are non-electronic. You know, like the pages flip and you still hear them when they turn and you turn them too fast. Sometimes you rip a page. Remember those things? Everybody remember those books? Yeah, 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 right. So he encouraged everybody to find one and bring one, in. and I, and I was I sat on that for a little bit. I was thinking, man, like, why is he encouraging this? Like, what what does it matter? And and what I realized um, that for some of us, we need that tactile thing, right? We we need to be able to touch and feel and be like, yes, like these pages turn and. I feel a little silly talking about it because I didn't bring my Bible up here. I have it all printed out right now, but but you know what I mean. And so um, I do want to encourage you uh, if you've if you've been in the electronic Bible for a while, you've been using your phone or you've been using some other device that's really cool. Keep doing it, but let's supplement that a little bit with with one of those old fashioned turn pages. Right? Go ahead and find yours, bring it back out, bring it around. At least bring it on a Sunday morning. Let's just have them together for one Sunday and see what the Lord might do. Uh, i've been praying for us that god would reignite in us a, a burning passion for the word of god like that's my prayer for us my prayer is not that, that is not just that you know that we would all be healthy it's not just that we would all uh, you know be able to enjoy this season of life together but my prayer really is that that what would be growing up inside of us would be a, a yearning for the word of god in such a way that it, it, it's unquenchable Excuse me. And so um, so th- that is my real desire. My real desire for us is that that would be unquenchable. So as we, as we await that, as we pray for that, as we long for that, let's join together in praying as we get into the word this morning. Jesus, speak. Speak as loudly and boldly and, and, and urgently as that pop we just heard in the microphone god use this time to mature your people that we would grow in our knowledge and in our relationship with you but more than just growing in that knowledge god that mm, father we would yield and we would become students of your word that we would be acclimated to your will and we would be um, participating in your ways God, we love you. Meet us here in your preached word. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 8 in the 22nd verse. I'm going to read a few of them here. Here's what the word of the Lord says. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village And when he had spit on the man's eyes, anybody else see that silliness there? That craziness there? We don't really think about like our Messiah, our Savior, spitting. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and he said i see people and they look like trees walking around once more jesus put his hands back on the man's eyes and then his eyes were opened his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly so jesus sent him home saying don't even go into the village As I read this passage, I was uh, I was stricken by the fact that Jesus went to Bethsaida. That was where I started at. I found myself wondering, like, why? why? Like, why? Why are we hearing about this place? Why does it matter, Jesus? Why did you stop there? Like, obviously, there was an appointment that, that the Heavenly Father had set. But, but, you know, presumably Jesus wasn't just walking around saying, oh, I know my next appointment is here, so I'm going to go there. So why was Jesus on his way to Bethsaida? Why do we hear about this in Scripture? And even like as Mark was writing, like why did he bother to tell us where it was? Why not just kind of leave that out? It would have been really easy for Mark to just say, as we got into town, some guys brought a guy who couldn't see and then go on with the story. But he doesn't say that. So as I did a little work, uh, I want to give you a little backstory about Bethsaida to help us understand a little bit. Bethsaida was known as a fisherman's town. It's a fisherman's town. It's, it's, it's a place in which the, the major trade and the major, form of e- the, the major driver for the economy was fishing. It's also uh, the birthplace of Jesus' ministry. It's in the region of Galilee. And so when I say that, that probably triggers some thoughts for people, right? We remember Jesus did some miracles in this region. Remember there was a little bit of food and it multiplied to be a whole lot of food for a whole lot of people. Anybody remember that miracle? Jesus fed 5,000. Anybody remember that? I gave you the title and then everybody was like, yeah, I got it, I got it. Yeah, so he fed 5,000, right? And then remember there was this other point where Jesus was on the water and he was walking and y'all remember this? Jesus walked on the water and while he was walking on the water, was like. Only Jesus could do that, right? And so that happened in this region as well. It's uh, it's just to the east of Capernaum, right? And Capernaum, you might remember that Capernaum was the place in which Jesus called home. And so uh, this region, this this is the area where most of Jesus' professional ministry took place. Just recently, well, I guess not recently to, to some people because, and more recently to other people. Stop stop playing in the back, young guys. Not recently to everybody, but, but, but more recently to some people, in 1987, how many people would still call that recent? It was before your lifetime, dude. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm assuming that some people in the room feel like, that's not that long ago. And when I tell you why I'm talking about 1987, you'll say, that really wasn't that long ago. But in 1987, they found the lost city of Bethsaida. It had been it had been had been ruined right it had been over overcome by Assyrians and, uh, and it had just been lost and they in 1987 it was discovered again the the area of Bethsaida and the area of Capernaum <coughs> excuse me and the area of Capernaum were both discovered and, uh, and still to this day are they they're doing uh, what's that called like Arch arc, yeah, that's it <clears throat> that's it still to this day they're they're kind of unearthing that's what I was going to say about it they're unearthing this this lost city and the evidence of this lost city and the history that comes with it but maybe more than anything the thing that you might remember the thing you might remember about about copernum and about excuse me i i have Anybody ever have one of those tickles in their throat that they just can't get out? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just like, all right, well, anyway. Uh, Maybe more than anything, the thing you might remember about Bethsaida and about about Capernaum is Jesus' last words to Bethsaida when he was leaving the region. This is what he says in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, just so you know that I'm not making this up, this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 in the 13th verse. Go ahead and find that for me. Luke chapter 10, verse 13. He says, woe to you, Shorzen, woe to you, Bethsaida. Thank you so much. For if the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Tyre or Sidon, They would long ago have repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Jesus, on his way out of town, throws this word of warning. He says, I can't believe, after all that you've seen, that you're not, thank you, that you're not longing, longing to be with the Father, that you're not repentant of your lost ways and running in the direction of God. I don't know about you, but I could imagine times in my life where that's what the Messiah would have said about me, Ray, after all you've seen, how is it that you're not running in my direction? What more evidence? Of how much I love you do you need to see and know that you would repent and run in my direction there's another part of this story that's very intriguing and it's how relatable the the healing of the paralytic man it's how relatable the healing of the blind man is to the story of the healing of the paralytic man. You remember in Mark chapter 2, if you don't remember there, turn there. Mark Mark chapter 2. Come on, let's, let's get there together. <coughs> I might need somebody else to preach. <coughs> Mark chapter 2. Um, in the first 12 verses, we're going to look at that. Mark chapter 2. Um, you, uh, I'll remind you of the story as you turn there, but... There's a guy who has been paralyzed for his life and he has some friends and they bring him to Jesus. Y'all remember this? And they, they drop him down on Jesus' lap and Jesus like, whoa, from the ceiling. Okay, and, and Okay, you get it. Okay, good. Here's how the story goes. <clears throat> a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by the four men, and since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made a hole in the roof uh, above Jesus, and they began digging through it, and they lowered the mat with the man on it. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk? So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, and he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of everyone. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So over in Capernaum, Jesus had healed a man who couldn't walk. But we, we're reading now, in, uh, later in Mark, that over in, in Bethsaida, Jesus is healing a man Who couldn't see. But there's some similarities to these two stories, right? Both of these stories uh, take place in a way in which the the healing is a result. Watch this. The healing is a result not of the faith of the person who was afflicted. I'm going to say this again because I don't want you to stumble on this. The healing takes place not as a result of the person who was afflicted, the healing takes place as a result of the friends of the person was afflicted think about that for a second it was because of the blind man's friends faith that the blind man was healed and it's because of the bl- it was because of the lame man's friends faith that the lame man was healed in both of the stories the faith of the person who was afflicted was not a part of the conversation So as I was reading through this, I was strucken by this, stricken by this. It seems really important that I surround myself with people who have a longing for the reality of who God is in their life because my healing is directly tied to someone else's faith in Jesus. In this story, as hard as it is for us to wrap our minds around it, Jesus heals the blind man on the faith of his friends. His friends say, you need healing. We're going to take you to Jesus. They show up to Jesus with their friend, and they simply say, hey, Jesus, would you touch him? Because in their minds, Jesus' touch on this guy was gonna change his life. They did not testify about his goodness, about his faithfulness, about how many times he walked the old lady across the street, or whose groceries he carried in. They didn't say anything about any of those things. They simply said, y'all, that was just a little joke, you know, like, he probably carried people's groceries, all right? And so all they said was, hey, would you touch our friend who is blind? Maybe I guess what I'm saying is this. Every one of us, and this is kinda just a sidebar and warm up for our sermon this morning, but every one of us might want to take inventory of who we're surrounding ourselves with. We might wanna just take a moment and say, hey God, who are the people who are in my inner circle, and how are they bringing me to you? Can I ask that question? Who are the people who are in your inner circle, and how are they helping you come before Jesus, if your inner circle wants to dance and play and wants to to go and do all the fun things, but they're not bringing you before Jesus, your inner circle's missing something. They're missing something. That doesn't mean we shouldn't dance and play and do all the fun things, that's cool. But I gotta know, are you going before God on my behalf? Are you on your knees before God saying, but what about my friend Ray? And when those moments of affliction come, are you willing to usher me before God? I think that this is just an important piece of this story because, watch this, without those friends, presumably both of these men die in their afflictions. Without those friends, neither of these men end up before Jesus and absent of being before Jesus the healing doesn't take place so I got to ask you one last time before I move from this who are the people in your inner circle that are bringing you before Jesus now back to the text that we were talking about this morning in Luke chapter 8 I think there are three points that we're gonna draw out here together that will really tie in this I theme of God of restoration So if you're going to take notes, write these down and and check these out as we go along. The first one is this, Jesus will lead you. Jesus will lead you. This Lead you, not leave you, lead you. This is a definitive statement. As we look in the story, Jesus didn't actually need water to heal the man. Let me help you understand. There was nothing special about the water that he spat out. There was nothing special about the dirt or the mud that was made. It was just simply Jesus, Jesus led the man away from the spot where he was. He didn't need the water to heal him. Jesus needed to lead. And he needed to ask, would you follow? So we look at the story, it says this. It says, um, it says, he came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And, and then it says this, it didn't say Jesus just touched him. It says, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out. He took the blind man by the hand and he led him. Now what is implied when he says that he took somebody and he led them? Come on, somebody talk back to me. What's implied when it says he took somebody and he led them? That they followed him. That's right, that's right. You know, if I say I'm going to lead, that means somebody has got to follow, right? If, If nobody's following, I'm not leading, right? Jesus took the blind man by the hand and he led them, which tells you that the blind man was following. The blind man was willing to go. I guess why I'm saying that is this, like, I believe that you and I are asked this question. Will we follow as Jesus leads? Will we follow? Will we walk in stride? Will we be in cadence with God? Will we we follow the lead of our Father or some of us? trying to outrun the Messiah? Are some of us trying to to simply get to where we need to get to without the leading of the Lord? In today's current situation, I ask you this. Who's leading you? Praise the Lord, Tommy. But who's leading the rest of us? Like, are we following Christ? And maybe before we answer that question, is a heart check. Because the answer to that question today is, yes, we're all sitting here. We're at home, and we're streaming the service. But what about all the rest of the times? Are we following Christ? Are we doing it when when the world's not looking? Are we doing it when no one's paying attention? Are we doing it when we're at our strongest points and at our weakest points? Are we looking to Christ and saying, you lead, I'll follow? I believe that Jesus wants to lead us I believe that he put that on display as he took this young man to the point of healing and I believe his healing was dependent on his willingness to follow maybe some of us are stuck in situations where we're looking for healing but we haven't been willing to follow the second point this morning Not only will Jesus, not only does Jesus lead us, but Jesus will heal you. Let me say this again, and I I, I say this boldly to every one of us. No matter what you're sitting in today, no matter what the affliction is that you're wrestling with, no matter what the, the, the battle is in your mind or the physical struggle that you're with, at some point, Jesus heals. At some point. Jesus heals. I love the faith of the church historic where they have held on to this promise. If not in this life, in the one to come. If not here today, then in what is yet ahead. We believe that Jesus heals. Note the process that takes place. Right, we could preach a whole sermon, and by the, by the way, you might want to check out last night's sermon from Pastor Charlie. He did preach a whole sermon specifically on this point. Like, um, there's a process that Jesus goes through in healing, and we see it happen here as it's as it's laid out. We'll see that Jesus touches them, and it brings what might some might say is like a partial healing. Right, like he says, "Hey, can you see?" And the guy says, "Well, yeah, yeah, but not the way I thought I would." And Jesus says, oh, okay, all right, here, let's do it again, let's do it again. And then he touches him again, and he brings the full healing, right? And, and, and it's not because the first touch wasn't enough. It's not because, like, Jesus, you know, like, oh, yeah, I pulled, I pulled out the wrong one. Like, no, like, he, he, Jesus did what Jesus, what only Jesus could do. But there was a process that takes place here. And it reminds me, and reminds us, I imagine, of the process that you and I are going through as we think about maturing in our understanding and our relationship with God. If you were to look back six months and then six years, and then however much longer than that, you could see a process of growing up, right? Right? Like, yeah, like if you look at a picture of you from a couple of years ago, You look a little different now, don't you? No? I disagree. Whoever said no, I disagree with you. Like, I look back at some pictures of some of y'all, and I look back and say, I love Facebook and the option you had to, like, scroll through all those old pictures of everybody. And, like, some of us, like, our pictures were smaller before, and they're they're a little more COVID larger now. Some of you, the opposite is true, right? Some of you, like some of you were, were a little more dark-haired before, and, and you know, got a couple more grays in a beard now, right? Like you have you have matured, like life is moving in one direction. We see this with the kids, right? Especially, like, I haven't seen Max in a whole year. Max, you're growing up, dude. You're growing up. It's so good to see you, right? And when we haven't seen somebody in a while, what happens afterwards? You like, Man, like. Like what I'm seeing is, is 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 people are maturing along. Like life didn't stop there. There's a, a process we go through. Well, the same is true in our faith, right? Like we call that process the process of sanctification. Somebody say that word with me. Sanctification. And that process means that it, it it initiates at the point in which we engage with God in a relationship and it continues until the point in which we you know, end our life in which not end our life, in which our life is ended here, and we go on into eternity with God. Right? That process of sanctification, we're we're moving more and more to be Christ like. It's not something that happens all at once. It's something that continues on a path. And I think that's what we see as Jesus was bringing healing in this man. He reminded, I was reminded that when Jesus first touched him, that we're on our way to something. That you and I are on our way toward toward healing and hope that can only be found in God. Friends, are you on your way? Are you seeing what God is doing as you're growing up, as you're moving along? Let me give you another analogy that might help it make more sense. Some of us want our healing and our blessings that come from God to be Rather immediate, we're kind of like Burger King. Y'all remember Burger King? You remember the motto of Burger King? Come on, I want it our way, right away, my way, right away, right? And uh, and and that's kind of we, we want the immediacy that that comes with that, and and that's how we imagine it. <clears throat> However, like like just like uh, just like the motto, our way, right away. The you know. Faith is more akin to like the 24-hour access of on-demand streaming. Like, you know, at any point we can engage and we can we can connect back. But maybe it's best said this way. Maybe faith is is more like a slow-cooked meal. Come on, stay with me. Stay with me. It's less like a Burger King. It's less like instant access. And it's more like a slow-cooked meal. Watch this. What do we know about the slow-cooked meal? Number one, you got to come home to get it. All right? You're not getting it at the local quick stop. You got to come home to get it. When you come home to get it, you get to delight in the presence of the host or the family. You know, you sit down and you take in all the, the whole house has been, cooking for a while and you smell it all there and you're, you're, you're into conversation and you're engaged and you don't abbreviate the process by speeding it up or by flash cooking it you can't skip the steps but in the end the meal the encounter the healing they're memorable these are god-shaped moments in your life what's God healing in your life right now what is God doing how is he touching your life that your life is actually changing you say well pastor Ray, I don't know about that I mean I, I'm not sure I'm not sure what that healing looks like well let me say it this way Jesus's desire is put on display here he wants to bring Healing, if you remember in Luke chapter 4, this is what Jesus said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's quoting Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the, uh, for the prisoner, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set the oppressed free. He pro- to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he said this, and it has now been done in your sight. I believe that Jesus wants to heal. The last thing this morning is this. Jesus will not only heal you, he will restore you. Jesus will restore you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, man, these are all cool stories and great thoughts, but even if I'm healed, is he ever going to use me again? Do I ever have a purpose again? Am I going to get back in my lane? I love the fact that Jesus doesn't just heal, he fully restores. We remember the story of Peter. The healing that Peter needed was the healing of his heart and his faith. He had rejected Jesus at the most crucial time, the end of Jesus' life. And Jesus comes back and he heals Peter's faith. And when he heals his faith, he restores his ministry and purpose. And then he looks at Peter and he says, Don't worry, Peter. 2,000 years from now, there's going to be some people sitting in Roxborough, and it's because I restored your faith. You will be the foundation that I launched my church on. And the movement of God that we continue to see today looks back to a moment in time where god restored the faith of some guys who were shaking at the knees because they thought their messiah had lost but really he had given them victory in the battle i want to tell you this as plainly and as clearly as i can jesus's desire is to restore you is to again deploy you into his purpose for 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 uh for proclamation of the good news so let me ask or let me note one more thing about this rest- restoration it's greater than you can imagine who can remember without looking back who can remember what the guys what the friends asked of jesus when they brought their blind friend to him does anybody remember what do you think, Nate? That's right. That's it. You crushed it, dude. That's exactly right. They, they, what they said was, "Jesus, will you touch him?" Their vision, their big grand vision, was Jesus touching him. Jesus's vision is that he would restore him. He would do more than touch him. He would do more than give him sight. He would again deploy him into service and purpose. He would again restore him with dreams and visions and aspirations. He would again set you into motion to be able to be more and greater than even you had thought to ask for. Imagine coming before Jesus and Jesus saying, what do you want? And you say, just, just touch me. And jesus i want to do more than just touch you i want to heal you i want to cultivate a heart with you i want to sanctify you i want to draw you back to me i mean he would look back and he wouldn't say woe is you because my word didn't set up in you he would look back and say well done son and daughter because you have been a faithful child of god i mean this is what god desires to do in you and in me he desires to restore us back to his plan and intent he wants to stand us up again and bring us back to genesis chapter 2 and and look at the prize that he has created and say that is awesome and that we would be The children of God made whole in the image of God and restored for the purposes of God. He wants to restore you. And this morning, I invite you, would you trust him to lead you through that process? Would you trust him to lead you through that process? Look, I want to be real honest with you just for a moment here. Some of you are in a spot that has been dark. You've been been living in a way that you're not excited about and nor is the Father. It's time to release that. It's time to break away from those chains. It's time to reevaluate those in your circle. And it's time to say, I'm coming back before God. God, would you heal me? Would you lead me? Would you heal me? And would you restore me? You can't manufacture it on your own if you could you would have i can't do it for you if i could i would but what together we can do is we can come before jesus jesus just touch me and if that's all you're gonna do that's plenty but jesus my heart i need your leading and i need your healing that my hands and my feet Would be restored for your purpose I'm gonna pray for us and during this time I'm gonna I'm gonna pause in that time of prayer because I think this is a moment for us to be able to just confess before God do you want to be healed do you want to be restored do you want to receive again your your calling for purpose and direction that comes from God If so, join me in praying this morning. Heavenly Father, we, God, we we need you. God, I'm I'm looking around and I'm saying, "I, I got some great friends. And I know that they would walk me to you. And they would lay me before you and they would say, Jesus, my friend needs you. He you needs your touch. He you needs you to lead him. He needs you to heal him. He needs you to restore him. And God, the reality is some, some of some of the time, sometimes I, I, I run away from those friends because I know they're going to point me back to you and I, I just want to be content in my own thing. And so this morning, I feel a sense of conviction. God, I feel like, all right, God, you're, you're calling us to allow you to lead. So God, together, we're going to walk before you. We're going to walk right into your presence. And we're going to seek your healing. God, heal the brokenness of our lives. Free us from addictions. God, break, break, break the chains that, that have bound us up, that have kept us tied to things that are not of you. Cultivate a heart in us that, that loves the people in this room that just longs to be with those who are on the other side of the screen, that we love the, 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 the family, the kinship we have with brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so when we see a brother or a sister who's hurting, we don't just lament that for them. We walk them back to the Messiah. We come back before you, God. We wear ourselves out in the faith before you, God, saying, God, would you please? God, would you please? God, would you please? God, would you respond to the needs of my friend, my brother, my sister? But, God, I also recognize that it's really easy to just kind of whitewash that all away. And in reality, maybe somebody here today is saying, God, I need physical healing now. God, I need my heart to be healed now. God, I need my mind to be affixed on you now. And the only way that that comes to be, oh, Lord God, the only way that happens is if we trust you to lead us. Take us by the hand and lead us. Surround us with people who will hold us up. Bring the healing. Father, restore us, call us yours again, remind us of our purpose. So God, we're going to pause here for a moment, we're going to give space for us to silently just confess the areas of our life that need healing. we are to follow him. would you say this with me? God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. God, I receive you. Jesus, restore me. Let us live that prayer. sing this last song which just reflects on the hope that we have in jesus so if you feel like you need to stay seated to reflect thank you for listening to our weekly podcast we pray it was life-giving to find out more about us visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on sundays at 10:30 a.m